Sometimes, the best way to get to know someone is to interrogate them without them knowing they are being interrogated. Don't hold me too closely to this statement, but in the moment that will follow, I found that it was an effective way to learn about my guildmaster. You see, there is a special ritual in our world, and they call it the sorting. There was said to be a magical item that, when within close proximity to your head, could tell the truth that lay within your heart. This ritual is performed at a very young age, and oftentimes sets the participants on a path to greatness, or on a path to damnation, or even death. I am talking, of course, about the sorting that takes place at Hogwarts, School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And now, we will learn which house Greya Dussong belongs in. I wanted to start this episode off a little differently. So, you know, because I feel like you're you're a little bit of a, an unknown quantity when it comes to, you know, maybe our listeners. So I wanted to run through, you know, a couple questions to really kind of just gauge you know, a little bit more about you, um, and, you know, just kind of help us learn some things about who you are. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions and I just want you to answer them, um, as if you were Greya. Sound good? Okay. Sounds good. All right. So forest or river? River. After you have died, what would you most like people to do when they hear your name ask for more stories about your adventures miss you but smile think with admiration of your achievements or you don't care what people think of you after you're dead it's what they think of you while you're alive that counts definitely the stories one I thought so (laughs) Alright, so I'm going to give you a couple options, and you have to tell me which of the following roads tempt you the most. Uh, The twisting, leaf-strewn path through the woods. The wide, sunny, and grassy lane. The narrow, dark, and lantern-lit alley. Or the cobbled street lined with ancient buildings. What was the second one again? That one was the wide, sunny, and grassy lane. That one. That one. Which of the following pets most appeals to you? A barn owl? A a Harley, a Harley Quinn toad? A ginger cat? A tawny owl? A dragon toad? Or a white cat? Ooh, those are hard. Uh, Tawny Owl. Alright, if you could have any of the following powers, which would you choose? The power to read minds. The power to change the past. The power of invisibility. The power to speak to animals. The power of superhuman strength. 
or the power to change your appearance at will. The power to change the past, for sure. The power to change the past. Left or right? This one's going to be the hardest one. Watch. Um, Left. All right, Greya. Well, I think those questions have really helped us find out more about you. Uh, And you might be pleased to know that Greya was sorted into the Hufflepuff house of Harry Potter. Oh, I like that. You know, I I think so. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Without knowing that they were being sorted, Greya answered those questions honestly and will now forever be known as the first orc in the Hufflepuff house. Sometimes the best way to get to know someone is to interrogate them without them knowing they are being interrogated. However, this week I decided I should be nice to my guildmaster, and so the rest of this episode is a consensual exchange of information. I'm Lance Topsail, and I hope you enjoy this episode with the South Fury Watch. So, Greya, oh, yeah, very exciting. It's good to have you on. Um, yeah, I've ran through all the other officers, and now we are finally at you. Tell me uh, how your reign over the South Fury Watch is treating you. It's treating me really well. I've made a lot of great friends. We've been on lots of great adventures. We have told some great stories and had a lot of fun with um, which is the most important part for sure now some would describe your takeover of the guild as kind of a hostile uh, coup is that true a hostile coup um i don't i don't think so um the yeah no i don't i don't think i've ever heard that before but yeah, I was just kidding. Maybe. Um, <laughs> you know, I've only been around for a year and a half, maybe, so I, I didn't really know you before joining. And I remember when we were in Roka's Dustwall campaign, uh, when you first showed up, I don't think that you and I interacted very much. And then I took a little bit of a hi- uh, hiatus shortly after. How did it sure. happen that you became the Guildmaster? Um, describe the transition for me. Sure. Um, so... After that campaign that you just mentioned, Dust Wallow, I believe the guild went to Zuldazar. We did a campaign out there. During that time, all of the officers and the GM, Ruakari, at the time, they had to take breaks from the game or leave completely. So we were left officerless and a guild overlord list for a couple months there when we decided to continue with the guild we kind of um decided as a group the officers who are officers now kind of decided that we needed to 
decide on what was going to happen with the guild. We, if we wanted to keep it going, how would we keep it going? And with the blessing of Valkosk and Furt, we decided that Greya, who actually, and myself, we've been a part of the guild for quite a long time now. Um, me on and off throughout the years, but I've been friendly with Valkosk and for, for a long time since Burning Crusade, we've been friendly and played the game together here and there. So we decided that I would take over as Guildmaster, as a friend to them and somebody, a character who has had past dealings with the South Fury Watch. That's kind of how that manifested. Otherwise, I'm not sure exactly what would have happened to the guild at that point. Gotcha. So you were kind of the best candidate in, you know, this time of uncertainty and, you know, with uh, Valkosk, Furt, and Ruikari ha- all having different real-life obligations that kind of cropped up and re- prevented them from uh, resuming their role as leaders, right? Exactly. That makes sense. Now, I mean, in character, are are all three of those people, are, are their characters dead? Um, no, actually. Um, Valkosk uh, was actually able to come back to the game just pretty recently, a couple days ago, in fact. He is um, now part of the guild. He's come back as a kind of advisory role to myself, Greya, in the guild. Um, he has brought news that he did not find Rukari or Furt, which is what his mission was when he left. He was supposed to go and find them. He came back with the news that he didn't find them and told us that they were dead. So we've kind of decided that they're dead until a retcon happens, if it happens in the future. Or until proven otherwise, right? Or until proven otherwise, yes. I gotcha. Now, is the watch any different than it was under Valkosk? Um, you know, how have you made your mark on the watch as an overlord? Yeah, so um, I think I think that when a complete new officer core comes in somewhere, you you have to change some things to make it work with the people that are running the guild. You we can't exactly leave it the exact same way that it was maybe that was some of the reasons why the guild was the way it was at the time um not not much activity not and not to say that it was the guild's fault for doing it um but with battle for azeroth it's it's killed a lot of activity a lot of people have not been enjoying the game so they've been leaving or taking long breaks so we kind of had to decide as a group what what are things that we can do to make the game more fun so we have the people in the guild play with us and some of those things um i think that we've you've talked about with other officers in the chat and they've done a great job of explaining what those changes were and why um the big one being we no longer have watcher of dust or watcher of red we have what's called the far watcher rank it hasn't been introduced in character or in game yet. 
we're waiting on that. Some some things have happened to um, allude to it. I believe your character, Topsail, has taken the first step to becoming a Far Watcher, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Isn't that's that right. right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know if you want to get into that, but that could be a little tidbit. Yeah, I mean, for yeah, later. it was interesting. Um, I did go through a trial with uh, with the, oh, with uh, Zeka there. But yeah, if you wanted to continue on, we can always talk about that later. Yeah, sure. But th- that's like one of the ways i guess that i've made my mark um it's in fact our mark i i don't really like leaving the officers out of decisions in that way we pretty much talk and discuss about every decision that we make as a guild and vote there isn't really much that you've seen changed or different that wasn't because of everybody's input sometimes people vote and the votes go their way or not their way, but it's always a majority rules with us. So anything that you see is pretty much a, a group effort on everybody's part. I think I hear a lot that, um, you know, and I think that's great, but I think I hear a lot with guilds that having a strong officer core is absolutely essential. Um, you know, for, for any guild, having people to be able to rely on and bounce ideas off of, you know, and I think it's great that the the watch does have the leadership core that it does. You know, how did you decide? Was it you who decided to have um, Zeka, Cass, Kuzesa, and Sid be the officers, or was that something that um, kind of just sprang up naturally? It, it was kind of both. Um, when the guildmaster position switched over to myself, I needed officers because there was there was none left they were either all on break or not playing at the time um so i kind of took the people who were most active that have already shown a great interest in the guild which was zakaresh Cass, sid and kuzessa they were the ones that were with me the whole time from when i started playing till then when the change happened so it was a natural choice to everybody chose do you want to be a watchmaster yes do you want to be an officer in the guild yes so that was it was a pretty easy choice there wasn't really any hesitation on anybody's part everybody wanted to pitch in and do their part to make the guilds what it is now and to be a be a part of this thing that we all care about a lot yeah i mean that's great and you know obviously having been able to talk with them over the past couple episodes it's you know been great with them and i think they're great people so that's good now you've been in the watch for a long time were you in it when it was back on the thorian brotherhood i did have a character back when it was on Thorium Brotherhood, that server, yeah. Um, and like I said before, I've been with the watch on and off. And if not, I was at least friendly with Valkoskin for they were a constant in my World of Warcraft career. And so it's always been, you know, those three, Valkosk, Furt, and Ruakari. Was the guild any different when it was back on Thorium Brotherhood? Yeah, it was. It was a lot different. Um, 
it was called um, Hammer of Kalimdor. It was a lot more. It was it was very different. It was very different indeed um, from what it is now, for sure. That a lot of things have changed, especially the premise. That's the big one. When it was Hammer of Kalimdor, it was more of a offensive kind of guild, a war band, you could call it. Um, for people who know, Greya does not like that word, war band. Um, but now it's more of a band, a kind of militia that helps protect the barons and Kalimdor instead of being an offensive task force, if you would like. Okay. Now, all right, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, the name Hammer of Kalimdor definitely speaks of more of like, you know, Garrosh's Iron Fist. I know Garrosh wasn't the war chief back in the day, but, you know, the Hammer of Kalimdor, you know, you guys are the ones who, you know, break through the armor of other people. Now, being the South Fury Watch, you guys are the, or, you know, we are the people who watch the South Fury and the Barons and, you know, defend it, I suppose. Um, why doesn't Greya like the war? Uh, the word warband. Oh, <laughs> it's more of a joke than anything. Um, when we f- first became the officer corps in the guild, um, all of the officers and I, we saw a lot of warbands in the barons. This warband, that warband, and it was just kind of like a, a joke that. There are so many war bands, but what are they doing? Because the watch still has to deal with all of these threats. There's so many war bands in the barons, but it doesn't seem like they're doing much. Just obviously because of an icy standpoint, we're not involved in their storyline. Right. So it was, it's just more of like a, a character flavor that it's kind of like an inside joke. Yeah, I feel like you always see that in Orgrimmar. Um <laughs> you've got those guilds that pop up who you know, stand around with their recruitment flags and yeah, not passing any judgment on them, but it's always like you have the, you know, the peanut gallery, you know, hanging around being like, Oh, well you guys stand around all day. You must have a lot of free time and not actually do anything. And so, yeah, that's kind of funny because obviously they probably have some kind of storyline you know, going on, but you need new people in the guild. So I get that. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that's like something I used to get, as a guild leader or, um, you know, you would get messages from people over random things like, Oh, you guys just stand around or, you know, there was like petty drama or, you know, one of your members did this or said something mean, or they aren't RPing correctly. You know, I imagine that you don't get too many of those messages because we're all perfect in here, but I found those situations difficult when I was in that position. And as a person out of character, I'm pretty averse to conflict. Um, I don't like it so much. And so that was hard for me. But you get through it, and you have to deal with the the politics of RP. What would you say the most difficult thing for you is about being a GM for a roleplay guild? The most difficult thing, there's. I want to give two answers. the The first one is it's it's always a challenge to make sure that your guild members are having fun and being engaged with it's it's hard to do i can't be on line 24 7 or on discord 24 7 so it's it's really hard sometimes to ensure that people are having fun and having a good time and enjoying the experiences that 
they have while in the guild. Um, that's why, again, it's so important that I have all of these awesome officers at my disposal that really do the bulk of the work. They're the ones on the ground making sure that people are engaged with, that there are events running, that people are having a good time. Um, that's, that, but that's definitely one thing that I take very, very seriously. And sometimes it's hard for me to, when I'm not around for a couple of days here and there because of real life obligations, I, I'm always wondering in the back of my head, are, is the South Fury Watch doing well? Is everyone having a good time? Are they having fun? Um, that's that's definitely one of the hard things that about being a GM in a role-playing guild. Because in a role-playing guild, you can't just throw a group together and go do mythics or go do a raid. There's active storylines that take more planning. And in fact, I would probably say that role-playing is one of the more challenging aspects of the game just because of so many moving parts and there's so many characters and players involved that it can it can be a lot of work it can be a lot of work one that takes up a lot of your time a lot of your free time yeah i think i understand where you're coming from making sure the 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 experience is good for everybody in the guild i'm sorry i thought you said that there was two answers was there a second answer Oh yeah, that's right. A no, that's answer. if there isn't one, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the next one is um, it's it's gonna be this is this one's for the the oldies out there, but I cannot live up to some of the GMs that came before me for the South Fury Watch. Every, one, once or twice a week, I get a whisper, "Hey." Um, are you are you really the overlord now? Um, where's Valkos? Or are you the GM? And as soon as I say, yeah, I am, I start I stop getting whispers. People love Valkos. People love Furt. They recognize their names even when they're not around. So when they see me and my tag in the guild, they are curious and wonder where does where's Valkosk? Where's Furt? Where is anybody that I recognize? And who are you? And it's just kind of funny. It's um really big shoes to fill when you're talking about somebody who has such name recognition on a server as large as Wormrest Accord. Yeah, that's um getting that name recognition and you know Somewhat like I've been playing at the Horde since Cataclysm, and I think I've known who Valkosk was since early in that that time period because I feel like he was just somebody that I saw around with like you know PvP raids or something like that. And you know, unfortunately, we're kind of like we're in this position where everything is very political with roleplay, and so to get that same name recognition, it takes a long time for people to, you know, start to associate you with things or not just brush you off as, you know, just a random person that you're seeing in the street. And I think a lot of orcs, like orc RPers, suffer uh, suffer from that. You know, there are there are names that we recognize, like yeah, Valkosk or Furt, or even like people from the forums, like Naku, who you expect to be like these amazing orc warriors. But then if you walk into uh, Orgamar, you see all these different like orcs who have like you know general titles in their names or you know this dude the slayer 
So, um, but then like next week you don't see them or they're never around again. So, you know, I definitely understand why that would be difficult, but you know, I think that just given time, you'll probably come to fill those shoes too. Cause it's not like you're going anywhere. So. Right. That was my joke answer. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it, it's not hard for that. I, um, but it, it is kind of difficult to like, like I said, fill those shoes. I have, I have such big personalities to look, look, kind of look up to and to um, do justice by. And I think that just continuing the legacy, that's, that's the hard thing is making sure that I'm doing a good enough job of keeping the, the name of the South Fury watch alive. Yeah. And you know, yeah, kind of a joke answer, but also like you want to be taken seriously too. You know, you, yeah, you don't want people to think that just because Valkosk isn't around anymore. And I mean, I can see that being as kind of like one of those things that might bother me in the back of my head. Like, you know, oh, everybody was expecting Valkosk and now it's me. And maybe they don't think that I'm, you know, up to the same standards when it's like you want to be treated the same way. So, you know, I almost feel like there's something that you would need to do to, and that's why, that's why I ask you, you know, how you've been making your mark on the watch. Like, how is it that you're, you're making your name as the overlord? Ah, I see, I see. But, you know, these difficult issues aside with the name recognition and making sure that people are having fun, all of this extra work can't be without some good stuff. So what is your favorite part of being the overlord? Oh, just getting to interact with all of the different characters and players in the guild. There's so many different personalities and so many different perspectives that I see on a day-to-day basis, whether it be in-game or on Discord. I, I really appreciate and take to heart the different experiences that people have with the guild, the storyline, my character, and myself. Just being able to being able to be there and be a part of it all, that's my favorite part, is just getting to be here and helping in any way that I can. And I, I, I like that stuff. Social interaction in World of Warcraft, I think everybody can agree, has taken a turn for the worst with every expansion. Something happens and something is... Um, included into the game that really makes it easier to streamline things without having to say a single thing to people. So being part of a guild that is so together and is so interactive with each other, that is really my favorite part of it. Just being a part of the whole, the whole, the whole guild. It's, it's, really the best part of my playtime is being able to interact with everybody. Aside from being like a mild, you know, egomaniac myself, I think it's nice when you, when you see your ideas flourish and people, you know, really get behind it and embrace, you know, what it means to be a member of the guild. Um, you know, it's always good when, you know, everybody is together on something and they're feeling unified and, you know, I think that the, the South Fury Watch has a very strong sense of culture, too. Um, so, you know, the members in here definitely do really well with, you know, p- uh, cohesion with each other. Um, and, 
just the role play in here has been really rewarding as a member, you know, to you. So, but that's interesting that you mentioned the kind of social breakdown with WoW because, yeah, I think that we've started seeing that ever ever since Wrath of the Lich King where they introduced Group Finder in the first place. You really didn't need to have – I mean now anyways, you don't need to have a guild to raid or to PvP um, or even to RP. Uh, you don't need a guild anymore if you depending on what you're looking to do. And now we're facing – classic coming out later on this month in just a couple days you're a person who likes that social environment and you like being able to have these communications with people and these experiences is classic going to be a trap for you a trap or a trap both is it going to be attractive to you and are you Mm -hmm. going to become trapped there because of how the experience is um you know, I, on one hand, I really hope that Classic is everything that people want it to be, including myself, which is um, like a, a nice long trip down memory lane. I, I've i played since Vanilla since, I believe, the first month that the game came out. And I remember each expansion very clearly, each each one, what is different, what's the same what has happened and i think that with vanilla with classic i think i think that i want it to succeed and i want people to flourish and to come back and to be engaged enough that they want to stay because that can only help the community but at the same time i'm kind of worried that is is that going to take away from the current modern wow experience and as a guild leader, I think that my my worry is how can I balance the needs of the wants and the needs of my guild members for classic and modern? Because right now we have an active storyline going on in modern WoW, right? But when classic comes out in just a couple of days here, what's going to happen to that? Is it going to dissolve? Are we going to put a pause on it? Are we going to transfer everything over to Classic? Are we going to do a guild in Classic, active storylines in Classic? It's kind of right now up in the air. We do have plans and contingency plans based on what the community feedback is. But right now it's kind of, I, I hope that Classic is amazing and awesome and people love playing it. And at the same time, that gives a little bit of uncertainty to modern wow what's that gonna look like for modern wow or whatever we're calling it i'm not sure what retail that is. is what i hear people calling it see and i i retail is what you pay for and with a subscription you're gonna get classic wow so classic wow is retail is it not <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, theoretically, or like on paper, yeah, that makes sense. But I think like, um, I think a lot of, or for a long time, people who maybe have frequented um, private servers might have referred to, uh, you know, regular WoW as retail because that's what you're paying for. Uh, whereas the private server was free, so you could just play, you know, the private server. And now they're kind of equating private servers to classic because, in essence, they're they're pretty similar, you know. So sure. I think that's kind of where that terminology comes from. But yeah, you've got a point. You're you're paying for both either way. So they're both technically retail. 
what, what whatever it yeah. is um yeah that's that's kind of what i think about classic yeah and you know what i mean that's a it's not really concerning to me, but it is a little bit because, you know, a couple of years ago I was in this guild and it was a really good guild on, on one of my other characters. Uh, we were having all kinds of fun with the storylines and everything. And then this game called Black Desert Online came out. I don't know if you've ever played it. Um, it was one of those Korean MMOs that the writing was actually really bad because the translation was bad. So the writing might've been good. We just got the bad version of it, but the game had a lot of cool like RP features. And so when that game came out, the GM of that guild hyped everyone onto it. We all went on over there and then the guild just fell apart. And yeah, that's something that I kind of don't want to have happen with the South Fury watch personally, you know, just because Lance, Topsail is a character that I feel very attached to, and I can't transport him into Classic. You know, you guys are all orcs and tauren and trolls, but then we're kind mm-hmm. of uh, – us goblins are left out of the picture, so that's not something I really want to do. Um, right. So, you know, me personally, I think it would be really cool if we stuck in retail, just so you know. <laughs> right. And, I mean, I'm, I'm, we have not – we're not going to discuss the dissolution of the South Fury watch in retail um, for a long time yet to come because I mean, I'm not planning on it happening. Um, It's definitely a possibility. And I think a lot of people on the forums and in game and people that I know and talk to and other guild masters, they really, they're, they're worried about that same thing. They're kind of like, what if what what if classic becomes so popular that the guild falls apart in in modern while and what if two months after that everybody's sick of classic and they come back to retail to dead guilds and dead storylines and characters who have been put on the shelf for three four five six however long the hype for classic lasts and that's why i kind of i'm kind of hoping that if it does do that then classic needs to survive on too because if modern's going to be a graveyard and classic's going to be a graveyard then that's the end of that's the end of this isn't the game but i think that's a yeah exactly but i think that's more of a discussion for later we really need to see what happens um you know right now uh i don't know if everyone knows but the south fury watch as a guild is going to be hosting a guild on blood sale buccaneers the role-playing realm for classic. We are going to have a light-themed guild name to come once we secure one. Well, I don't want to say it and then somebody grab it and then us not be able to use it. So we're not counting our chickens before they hatch. But we will be having a guild that's a lightly-themed adventuring guild for Kalimdor. So any character, regardless of race that is in Kalimdor, you can join the guild and it's going to be entirely player driven. So we're not, the officers and I aren't going to be actively creating storylines and encouraging, not, not, not encouraging RP, but we're not going to be, that's not going to be our focus. Our focus is very much going to be on retail. Wow. And the storylines that we have going on. We will be taking a month break 
from anything super heavy or serious or important in retail to allow players that are interested in exploring classic the opportunity to do so without feeling the need to take away time from one or the other. So we're going to have some light-hearted events in retail while everybody is playing classic for that first month. But otherwise, our focus is definitely going to be on modern. Um, we're currently working on a storyline for after our little pause in some serious RP. So that's exciting. We've decided on the theme of the arc and we're hashing out details during that time frame. actually. That's when we're going to really hash some stuff out. Okay. So we're going to take a month off when classic comes around and then we're going to come in with a hot and heavy storyline to get everybody back to present day. Can you, can you share anything about this storyline? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to be a really big secret, but I, I like to keep a little bit of mystery when it comes to stuff like that. Um, I think, I think it's just fun. And also I like, I like keeping things until they can't, they, until it needs to be said in case anything changes. So if I say something now and then three months from now, something else happens and then somebody picks something up or takes a screenshot and they said, but you said this. I'm like, Oh, well, you're right. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, let me give you a little bit of a teaser. So um, I can say that it involves a modern battle for Azeroth story element. And it involves a threat that has been present since vanilla time. Interesting. Yes. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's going to take the watch out of the Barons, which is always a bit of fun for us. Still on Kalimdor, for sure, but it's going to be one of our first arcs that will take us away from the Barons for a short amount of time so we're gonna go on a little field trip and it's gonna be a uh, a modern battle for azeroth so by modern do you mean like we're gonna be like modern warfare dropping nukes on people no i just meant like uh um maybe not the right choice no, that's words, okay i was kind of kidding <laughs> oh okay well then yes um no we it it's a story element that's in battle for azeroth right now very prominent and has been the whole time even i would say even before battle for azeroth with legion too a little bit at the end there and then uh yeah so a story element that is happening okay in battle for azeroth i gotcha so i'm gonna predict it right now you don't have to confirm it or deny it but it's gonna have to do with the twilight cults and the old gods we're gonna go down to silithus and we're gonna deal with like mind control shit and we're all gonna go insane and kill each other that's my prediction that is a very very interesting prediction you sound like one of those twilight cultist death sayers and the steps of Stormwind or the Craigs of Oregon. Well, Doom's coming. Hey, you know, it's only a matter of time. Uh, <laughs> well, it is only a matter of time before you find out exactly what we have in store exactly, for the watch. Exactly, right. It's only a matter of time. Now, okay, so 
I always like to know how how do you how do you come up with storylines and how do you come up with events? Like, do you have a strategy or uh, any like do you have a method of operation? Yeah, what's your what's your general guideline for coming up with these things? So, this this storyline that we're coming up with now is actually our first major storyline that we are working on for the guild. It's it's the first time that we're doing it as an officer corps together. Other people have uh, the officers and indeed people in the guild have always been involved in storylines and events and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's our first time working collectively together to come up with a storyline for the guild, which I think helps facilitate creativity. If one person is doing everything, then it's kind of um, narrow sided in what, people want what people find interesting what is going to appeal to a large base of people so basically for the arcs that we're doing um with the guild is our our kind of recipe is we do a little arc that somebody can come up with themselves that lasts a week or two like the naga campaign that um vazrak zakaresh came up with that was their thing. It was originally supposed to only last a couple of weeks, but people really enjoyed it and enjoyed the storyline. So we kind of decided to keep going with it until, you know, the Firewatch post was completely destroyed. So that kind of came up organically. But what we're doing now is um, I came up with some ideas, some vague skeletons of ideas, and I displayed them to the watch masters, the officers in the guild. And they kind of, we talked about it a little bit, and then we decided and voted on what the arc is going to be. Um, for in- the one that we s- talked about just now. And now we are kind of going over how many events do we want it to be? How long is it going to be? What's kind of going to be involved? Who's going to be the big bad guy at the end? Is the watch going to survive? What's going to happen? Who's going to play this role who's going to play that role who's going to host events so like like i've mentioned before it's a big group effort and i think that helps keep everybody involved and interested and um invested in the storyline that because it's i think it's been a a, people are concerned that we're going to do things that people aren't interested in and that's that's why we kind of like to keep it interesting and fresh and different by keep having all those opinions constantly brainstorming and coming up with ideas and tweaking things here and there gotcha yeah that's always an interesting question how do you how do you determine or would you ever determine if the watch isn't going to survive like can can you ever envision a case where the answer to that would be no um you know, we had to we I we had to decide on that just pretty recently when the campaign in Zoldazar, all of the officers and GM GMs left the game for a considerable amount of time, and it was kind of we we had a kind of a discussion. The people who were left, do we want to call it quits, or do we want to keep going and try and do the thing? And we kind of decided to not call it quits and to end the watch 
because we like it a lot and it's important to us and we enjoy doing what we're doing. So I think that there could be for sure. Um, I hope it's no time soon. I'm having a blast and having the time of my life on World of Warcraft. And I think at least in some way, the other officers and guild members indeed feel the same way. So as long as there are players that are interested in the storyline and the guilds and keeping it up, I think that the watch will always survive in one way or another. I think the only, I think the only way that it's going to end completely is if the game gets shut down. Yeah. I think there's enough people who are invested enough and love the guild enough that they will keep it going. Maybe a name change here and there. It's happened with Hammer of Kalimdor. Maybe different GM in the future, different officers here and there, but it'll, it'll always be the same. It'll always be here. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess I was thinking more along the lines of, like, can you ever determine whether the watch would just, you know, barring OOC reasons, you know, suffer some kind of uh, mass casualty in character? And, yeah, so I'm pleased to hear that, that, you know, the answer to that is no. Um, Yeah, because, yeah, that's obviously a, a really difficult thing, and especially for people like us who have had the characters that we've had for such a long while. Um, You know, character death is nothing to really joke about. Um, so tell us, tell us about Greya then, since we're, we're talking about characters, how, how did, who is she and how did she get to where she is? Sure. And I know that's a loaded question. Um, so if you have to delve back some, that's okay. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm going to play a little bit of, um, embarrassing myself here, but that's okay. So I started playing this game when I was young, very young. Um, the, the first year that World of Warcraft was a game, I started playing. And eventually I found out about a role-playing server called Thorian Brotherhood. So I rolled a character on there, had fun, leveled a couple characters here and there. One of them was a character named Claire. She was a Torn warrior, which is what Greya's character was before I race changed her. Um, fun fact, Greya has been every race in World of Warcraft that can be a warrior um, on Alliance and Horde side. Wow. Except for Pandaren. Because I stuck with Greya during Miss and Pandaria, I think. Yeah. She's been around the block and been many different iterations. Only two of them have been serious, and the most serious is Greya. But anyway, okay, so back to Claire. Um, I kind of cringed played her. I didn't know what roleplay was. I was very young and thought that I could have a bunch of crazy ideas. Um, For those that know, you know. I'm not going to get into it too much, but it was very lore. I wouldn't even say bendy, but breaky and very cringeworthy and then I kind of grew up and learned about lore and how fun it is to stay inside of the constraints that the world has made for you and that's um, a challenge as a writer and a storyteller that I like to consider myself in my spare time Um, so I killed her Claire this character who I didn't 
really enjoy playing anymore because I realized that it was a really bad character. So I race changed her to Greya for the first time. And that's when I um, started playing Greya. She was an orc warrior with not much of a backstory until years later when I started playing with the Hammer of Kalimdor or um, the South Fury Watch. Um, she, I, I, I still haven't really fleshed out her whole entire, like, long backstory from when she was, like, a child. I have a hard time thinking of it and wanting to decide and stuff. Um, I think just because I have so many ideas that I'm scared to, like, settle on one and put it on paper that this is who she was and what she did when I want to be able to like have it be fluid when I need to, obviously not changing anything drastic whenever I feel like it, but that's kind of how I, I feel. Um, The most recent history that I can tell you, like how she came to be overlord of the South free watch is that way back when Greya met Valkosk, and Furt, and they were together for a long time, um, those three, in Ashenvale, in the, working on the camps in Ashenvale, the lumber camps there. And then, I don't know, I don't know if a lot of people know about, like, Valkosk's backstory, but um, I'll let him tell it. I believe he's going to be speaking yeah. to you soon, hopefully. Yep, he's coming up soon. Awesome, awesome. So I'll I'll let him tell his his story, but basically, Greya was with for in Valkosk when the Hammer of Kalimdor was created. She helped to create it, and that was definitely um, a retcon that we all decided on when I finally decided on what I wanted to do with the character. So she was with them when the Hammer of Kalimdor was created. And she's always been a part of the hammer or the watch in some way or form. Usually it's um, as a person who comes and goes. She was the storyteller for a long time. She would come, tell stories to Valkosk and Fur and all of the other members of the watch. She would host story circles. And then once she's told all the stories that she's collected, she would go off and continue collecting stories to bring back to the watch um i recently decided that she was a earthen ring shaman that was involved in a group called the volnacura they travel azeroth dealing with the elements and spirits and places that the horde and alliance war created in their absence so, for instance, Northrend. She was in Northrend for a long time, uh, helping to heal the land of the damage that the war had caused in all over the place. And so that's kind of the reasoning for her absence in a lot of the spots of the guild, because a lot of people don't know who Greya was or who I was when I came back. And that's because I took a lot of hiatuses and I played on Alliance for a long time and I wasn't necessarily here for everything or the big stuff. And that was a way for me to explain that while 
still being a part of um, the guild, even if I wasn't or if I was just a friendly someone to talk to over uh, Ventrilo. I don't know if anybody even knows that word anymore. (laughs) Or the forums or um, eventually a friends list. So, yes. And then she came back during the Dustwallow campaign out there. That was the most recent time that I came back to the game and to the guild. I was excited just to be a part of it and hanging out, having fun, role-playing, getting my shoes wet, shaking off the rust that I had. And then we went to Zoldazar and then everything kind of happened, either fell apart or took a turn for what we, we weren't expecting um, everyone to kind of take a break during the time. And so then it was a perfect opportunity for um, Greya, who fit the bill, I think, the best in terms of who has been in the watch the longest. And she's kind of older. She's fought with Valkoskin for for most of her life on Azeroth. So that was really... I think that's pretty that's pretty much it. Um a couple of things here and there that I like to bring up organically in role play is um I I'll I'll say it here for the sake of the podcast, but one of Greya's main motivations is or main character traits I would say is that she's very um what's the word? she regrets a lot of her decisions that she's made in the past. Her family was murdered. She had a daughter and a mate that was, that were murdered in the looting of Camp Tarajo while she wasn't She was off in Northrend at the time. And so she kind of feels remorseful and regrets not being there she thinks that it's her fault and indeed she thinks that it's her fault for for Ruokari Vrog's deaths the disappearance of Rania and Roka and Balkoskar for a little bit of time she felt like it was her fault that she wasn't around to help or to, she didn't do enough. She didn't stay in Zuldazar long enough to look for Furt and Ruokari and Rog. That she always feels like she could have done more. So I think that's one thing that people might not know about her right away is that she's, she's very invested in the watch because she thinks that it's her responsibility and she doesn't want what's happened in the past to happen again to her friends and family that she's come to know and love. I see. And then she comes back to the watch and she finds that it's filled with these strangers who, you know, haven't been around for as long as she has. And then she has to come to lead them. Very interesting story. It's kind of like, she's like a, a person who's, you know, seen so much and then came back to, you know, be the, the wise and storied ruler, not ruler, but leader. Right. Sure. And that's kind of, that's actually kind of one thing that I try to avoid just because 
from an out of character standpoint, I haven't been around in the guild for some periods of time. You know, um, some people have been physically in the guild longer than I have. And that's kind of a aspect that I take from an out of character standpoint. And I put it into Greya in character as like, she knows that she hasn't been around. So she, she doesn't, when somebody comes back, like um, for instance, Magora came back recently. She wasn't like, well, you haven't been here and I don't know who you are. So you're not welcome. So she knows she's been in those same shoes. So she's very welcoming to returning watchers and people who necessarily maybe have left the guilds and then wanted to come back or things like that. Um, she's, she's very understanding in that way. Um, for instance, Kazessa, she was a, a traitor for the guild during a sometime storyline. She's been redeemed. Grail was not around for that. She has no idea who Kuzesa was beyond the interactions that she's had. So she had no hesitation asking her to be a watchmaster because she knew Kuzesa as a honorable and valuable asset to her team and to the watch. So, of course, she's going to ask her, you know, instead of some people might have questioned that decision. Like, can you really trust her? Can you really know what she's up to for whatever reason? And Greya, Greya sees the best in people. I, and I see. Yeah. No, that's good. I think that's kind of a good position for a leader to be in. And then, you know, maybe you have like your your right hand person who sees the worst in people to kind of counterbalance it. No, I don't know. Um, but uh, okay. Why is Greya's last name Dasan? Oh wow, that's a good one. Um, there, there is a reason, actually. Well, I know that orcs they usually have like a story for their names, right? Exactly. Well, I, so I figure where Greya is the storyteller. There's yeah, there's probably a good one, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so bef- her name was Greya Dasan before the. South Fury Watch became a thing. So, you know, Red Dust and Honor, that was that was after I named her, which is just a happy coincidence, I think. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that that wasn't the, the answer. It No, it wasn't. Um, so, in a previous timeline when Grey was back on Thorium Brotherhood, she was a leader of the Dustland Riders. The Dustland being the lands of Kalimdor in the middle that had a desert or barrensy landscape. Barrens, Durtar, Ashara, Dustwallow, Thousand Needles, Stone Talon, Desolus, you get the gist. Um, it was a guild primarily based there of people who would, of characters that would ride around on their mounts and adventure and tell stories and like a, car- a roaming storytelling caravan kind of deal. Um, it never really took off because I was young and didn't know how to run a guild at that time. Um, I had lots of practice with that. You could ask Valkosk about that in his podcast. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, so the name came from when her, from that primarily, Dust Song, the Dustland Riders. We they called they call that area of town Dort, the Dustland. Um, and she, I think she's referred to it once or twice in game, just like as fun flavor for me, like oh, nostalgia, reminiscing on my past. But um, it comes from that, and it also comes from um, the bodies of her family that was killed in Tarajo turning to ash from burning in the fires of the ruins when the Alliance attacked. Um, she changed it. It was something else and I won't ever say what that is to anybody. Nobody really, nobody knows and I think I like to keep it a secret just for myself. But she changed it from whatever her surname was from her family to what it is now because she thinks that she lost her whole family um, and that they all turned to dust. And so that's why she's called Greya Dust Song. Oh. And the song is the storyteller part of her, that she likes to tell stories, much like somebody who sings or tells a song. And she's a war song orc, so had to throw that in there too. So it was pretty obvious for people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the story behind Dust Song. I see. So she's the she's the orc of the Dustlands, and also the avenger of her her ashen family. And the storyteller, pretty much. Very interesting. No, I mean that's a that's a great story for it. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of, and you know maybe this is just me. The orc characters that I've made, I've just like you know picked a cool name and been like, yeah, you know it sounds cool. So, yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, but it's always nice when you know the orcs they actually have like a cool backstory for their name. So, the, right. yeah, thanks for cluing us in on that one. Of course. So to bring us back a little bit to you know, retail, well, uh, back to where we are with the current the current uh, scenario and events, um, you know, the horde is on the precipice of uh, another tumultuous and uh, internal civil war. Uh, there's a lot of unrest. Uh, there are talks of rebellion. Uh, we had Bolas on here a couple episodes ago. He's talking about how his entire legion, you know, which maybe from our server lore. I know that's a bad word, but from our server lore standpoint, you know that's <laughs> that's a pretty significant uh, population of people there. Um, the watch uh, from the outside looking in has a unified front, but the people within probably have different opinions, uh, perhaps various loyalties, you know, to the watch. But maybe they have their heartstrings set uh, with certain factions that might be splitting within the horde. Where does Greya stand on Sylvanas? Greya personally, um, she doesn't like her. She's she's seen enough war chiefs to know which ones will bring ruin and which ones won't. And she knows that Sylvanas is obviously one that isn't doing things that necessarily are for the greater good of either the Horde or Kalimdor the Barons, which she obviously that's her first priority. Um, she doesn't, um, doesn't know her personally so like all of the fun cinematics and character flavors that are hero character that we play in content 
deals with Sylvanas more frequently than Greya, my character, does. So she doesn't really know her as a person. Um, so she, she just knows that if she's a war chief that is making decisions that she wouldn't make and causing a lot of harm to people who don't necessarily deserve it. I gotcha. Now, quick out of character point, are you are you playing the, the Sarfang questline or the Savannah's questline? Sarfang. Okay. I'm interested to see how that's going to end up because on Lance, I've been playing loyal to Sylvanas and you know, Nathanos just told me that there's going to be like some uh, big test of loyalty coming up, so I'm wondering if I'm going to have to like shoot throw on the back of the head or something, but um, would would Greya welcome back uh, a war chief thrall? I I think for the fact that he's not her, yes, and that he left because he didn't die, and because he thought it was the right thing to do, I think she would. She would. I think that right now she would probably be wary of any war chief coming in to the situation that is unfolding now. Um, I guess it depends on what happens with this very fun storyline that Blizzard has going for us. But um, I don't, I don't think that she was really concerned with war chiefs for most of her life because she worked with the earthen ring for a long time. So she was kind of neutral to faction wars and stuff like that. But I think she admires him for his peacekeeping um, initiatives that he's tried to do every so often in his very storied background. But I, I think that she would welcome him. Okay. Now, yeah, so, but right now we are stuck with Sylvanas and she is kind of tyrannical. Um, you know, she locked up Bane because Bane was trying to check her and, you know, that was pretty tense because then, you know, the player character, of course, goes on this quest to save him and that's, that's, uh, you know, basically committing treason right there. Uh, now, I, I know that our characters haven't done that, but what keeps Greya loyal to a horde under Sylvanas? Hmm. I think if you'd ask her, she would ask a question back to you. What makes you think that I'm loyal to a horde under Sylvanas? Well, uh, just assuming. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're protecting the barons, I, I would think, you know, for, for the betterment of the horde. Right. See, and that, I, I think that's where I think that's where maybe character the character personalities differ from maybe what you see as an outsider, not playing that character. Because for me, Greya is the leader of the South Fury Watch, which is a horde-aligned militia that protects the barons from all threats, internal or external. So if if a war came to the barons that threatened the very likelihood of the barons and the people who live in the barons in whatever shape that threat is, I think that she would be more than okay with defending 
defending the barons and the people of the barons from that threat, no matter what it looked like. Alive or undead. Okay. So it's really just that she's she's loyal to the barons and um yeah you know, well let me, let me let me put it to you this way then. Let's say um and of course this wouldn't happen, but let's say that Solana uh <laughs> you know, sent some executor down to the watch and said, You guys gotta fucking pack up and go to the front lines now and fight for the horde. What would Gray's reaction be? See that's that's hard because I think I think in a perfect world where my character makes all of the decisions in character because she doesn't. And that's just because that, that just wouldn't be a good guild leader of me to make my character make all the decisions. Um, but if, if, if it was like that, if it was purely in character, an in-character theoretical, um, she would refuse to do that right now because of if she knew everything that was going on if she knew that bane was being hidden in thunder bluff if she knew that the majority of the whore people were like sylvanas is crazy we can't fall you know like if she knew all of that i think that she would resist her orders to do anything under her command that takes her out of the the barons or the watch I think if Sylvanas came and said, I need you to do this here in the Barrens or here in Kalimdor, I think that she would be more inclined to maybe hear out the proposition and the orders. Maybe they're um, more self-preserving than actually like following her orders. So like, yes, let's do what she says, but to a point where we, the Watch, stay safe and nobody gets killed or arrested, but we'll actually do this instead. Okay, now kind of a, a general um, definition for unfit here, but what is the right way to tackle unfit leadership, like with what we might be seeing with Sylvanas, depending on your opinion? In in this fantasy world, the world of oh, Warcraft? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, the the world that we're given is so steeped in war and hostile takeovers and coups and doing what needs to be done for the greater good and um, war crimes are thrown around like orders, like what can I get you from Starbucks? That I think that what's happening now is kind of even more tame than what we've seen before, like with Garage. Um, that we kind of let that go on for a long time, maybe more than we should have. And then this time around, it seems like it might be going the same way, maybe a little bit faster. But if you see that people are suffering and nothing good is coming of it, why should the leaders of the Horde continue to let her do so? And if need be, rooting it out by force. I think, I mean, that's very on brand for the game. I don't think that when dealing with a tyrannical leader who is hell-bent on killing or imprisoning people who disagree with her, um, I don't think that diplomacy is an option at that point. I, 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 I basically think that what's happening is pretty on par for what should be going on, if not a little slow. Okay. So, yeah, it's not ramping up as quick as it might have been with Garrosh. You know, we're not seeing Battlefield Barons and 
Well, actually, we're not at we're not we're only at eight point two. So you know, eight point three might be Battlefield Barons. I did hear that there's uh, rumors of a war front there. So or here. Oh, I I heard. Trust me, we. So I know. All right. Um. Not, so since we bring that up, uh, Battlefield Bar- uh, Battlefield Barons happens. What does the watch do? So I, it's going to be very, a very emotional decision for the watch, because if it changes like how night or not night, when we're talking about Darkshore or, um, Arathi or is that the zone? I, I, mean, I can't even know. Cause I don't recognize it. Yes. The Arathi Highlands. If, if that happens to the Barrens North or South, I I don't know. People are going to be upset, excited. People will have different opinions on it. So the watch will need to decide if it's such a drastic change that we can't ignore it because it'll go away next expansion. We can't write it out of our own storyline. Like, oh, that didn't happen. If it's so ingrained in the story that we have to accept it as fact, I think we're going to have to. And then we'll decide as a group... Not even not even officers, but the whole guild will decide on what happens to the watch then what because that's that's a big change are we you know what, what do we do do we take sides do we not take sides do we will characters think such drastic have such drastic opinions on it that they leave the watch whether because they disagree or agree with their the moves that the watch makes. It's a very interesting idea. One that I almost hope doesn't happen. So we don't have to deal with that big change, but being part of a guild and being a guild leader, I think that change is bound to happen and we have to face it head on and champion it. And if a war fun barons happens, then it happens and we'll see what fun we can make of it. I do think that that would be fun, and you know, I think um, if it, if it did come down to yeah, uh, a Baron's Warfront, I think that most people in the Watch would pretty much be unified. There, there's not a lot of uh, Sylvanas loyalty, I, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, within the Watch. Um, you know, because I think a lot of the characters don't have a feeling on it either way. But I think that if they saw all the other, you know, Taran and trolls and orcs uh, facing off against the undead, it would kind of be a natural decision. You know, um, you the South Korea Watch doesn't accept other races into their ranks to begin with. So to see the people that they would accept fighting against the undead, that would I, I feel like that that would just kind of fit in naturally. You know. What accepting other races into the guild? I'm sorry. I, I mean, like, um, if if the orcs, the trolls, and the Taran are all grouping up as a rebellion and fighting against Sylvanas, the South Fury Watch would fit into that rebellion naturally because the people that they allow into the Watch, you know, the orcs, the trolls, and the Taran, they're they're fighting against it, so they would they would fight with their brethren, is what I would think. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um. That's definitely. Um a yeah that's definitely a possibility um i like i said i think it 
I think it depends and obviously it depends on out of characters, people's opinions, because I, you know, I don't know. That's such a big kind of what if that many people will think many different things. Um, I think that definitely though, that is the obvious choice for the watch. Um, Whether or not it happens is another thing. But, yeah, I definitely think that that makes sense for sure. Yeah, and obviously we'll, you, you guys will tackle that if we get there. We, you know, Blizzard is still convinced they can, they can trick us with their story, so we'll find out. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's do a, qu- a couple of quick questions on the watch here, just a few more things. Um, you know, what sure. kind of personnel is the watch looking for right now? Um, right now, after many casualties and loss of buildings and outposts and such from the Naga attack. I think right now we're just kind of all anybody who wants to fight with us that obviously fit into the culture of the guild and character. Um, They want to defend the barons and Kalimdor from threats and they're able to and they are an orc, a tauren, a goblin, what's the other one? Troll? Troll, yeah. <laughs> or an allied race. <laughs> an allied race. Um, they are welcome. I think right now it's, we we definitely are looking for characters who want to be, or players too, that want to be involved in storylines. And, you know, this is, this is the type of guild that, um, you you put in what you want to get out because you can come to an event and be the hero of that event or you could not come to an event for a month and then come back and then you're fine no, nobody has like missed the character will miss you the player but you keep you can get out of it what you put into it there's no quotia that you have to meet there's no requirements of activity there's nothing holding you back from like being the most immersive character in the guild at any given moment because that's just how we do it everyone is on equal terms so any characters really um that fit the bill we would accept okay so anybody who who fits the bill from ex-cons to veteran warriors we're taking all of them, right? Yeah, um, many different characters have different motivations for joining the watch. Um, if you come in, if the character comes up to us and is like, "Hey, I'm a war criminal and I'm on the, um, I'm trying to hide. Can I join the watch?" That's different. Oh, okay. Than... <laughs> <laughs> right then, um, somebody like hey might you know like out of character we know that the character is a baddie but in character you're just some person who wants to defend their homeland maybe not for the reasons that we want but our characters are not the wiser none the wiser we don't know that so um but yeah i mean obviously we it's it's gotta work it's got to work with and the 
confines of what we're looking yeah, for. Yeah, so you got some you got some standards. You know, somebody who's a wanted criminal, no. Someone who's a wanted criminal <laughs> out of character, also no. But you know, if right. they uh, if their character is doing a good job of hiding their um their obsession with practicing the dark arts and sacrifices, you know, then yeah, in character we can't know that just by looking at them. So yeah, no, that's fair. Now, <clears throat> do does anybody need to do anything special to join? Uh, not special, no. Um, our requirements are fairly simple. You need to talk to us, out of character and in character, in whatever way we'll make that work. We are active during the days, and our events usually happen in the late evening, so if you, you want to play with with us than having like the same kind of schedules that some of the watchers have is important to you um otherwise like your character just needs to have a connection to the barons and wants to protect it and calendor and pledge their loyalty to the watch and yeah otherwise basically we're pretty open to the types of characters that we get we have warlocks and death knights and all that fun stuff so it as long as we can make the character work you're you're in excellent bard bard um we just need to make sure that you like our rules and how the events go and you like the activity in the certain days and times that we have activity. Um, make sure that you're a good fit and you're going to have fun and enjoy your time with nice. us. Now, okay, this might be a question for Cass, but I'm going to ask it to you anyways. Um, we have a lot of goblins in the guild. Maybe not a ton, but you know, we've got a couple. You know, we've got myself, we've got Cass, we've got Tech. We've got a couple other who are hanging around. Um, does the watch offer any generous pension plans or retirement benefits? I'm asking for a friend. For a friend, mm. um, your benefits are you get a cot in the barracks if you need one, rations, a small stipend for your trouble, and the friendships that you cultivate in the watch. All right. Yeah, I figured that answer was a no. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's all good. Um, so, all right. So, no, uh, no generous benefits. All right. Well, that should save people's curiosity about uh you know the watch there Greya. now being the the person yourself behind Greya, the storyteller you must have just a mind full of the stories of warcraft and orcish lore in general wouldn't you agree no actually i wouldn't oh, agree. well that's really too bad uh because as i'm sure you've been expecting <laughs> uh we have reached the special event of the night the lore master feat of strength as a quick recap there are some new rules for this Greya. since we okay. um we have expanded the lore master feat of strength into the myth the mythic plus lore master feat of strength which is where if you answer the first five questions uh correctly you can go on to answer five more and if you answer all five more then i've decided that the grand prize will be a wow token so Wow. Yeah, and well, so that's if you answer you know all ten questions correctly, 
Now, let's say that you get to question six and you answer question six right. You'll probably get like some gray item as a prize. And if you try for question seven, but you get it wrong, you don't get anything. So, you know, it's kind of like the, um, you know, do you want to keep going or not before you know the next question? But we can worry about that when we get there. We will start with our first five questions, you know, the normal dungeon, so to speak. Are you ready? Let's see. I don't think I'm geared enough, but we'll try okay. it. Well, first question. This one's really easy. Broxigar, the red, is Verox Harfang's brother, who time travels all the way back to the War of the Ancients. He killed many demons and is well known as the only mortal to ever strike a wounding blow on Sargeras. He travels with two companions. Ronan, the human mage, rest in peace, and also a dragon. Who is the dragon that he travels with? Is the answer A, Chromie, B, Volithria, C, Saragossa, or D, Coriolstras? C, this is why I didn't want to play this game, because I'm actually really terrible at quizzes. And lore, I know a lot about. I know a little about a lot, but not a lot about a little. So um, I definitely know it's not Chromie. Um, it might be, but I don't think it is, because um, she never talks about it. I feel like that's something you would talk about. Um, I don't think it's the second one. Whoever you Molithria. said, that's a green dragon. I think could be. I don't know. I don't think that's right. The third one was uh, who? Saragossa. I don't think that's that can't that can't be right either because that sounds like somebody else that does something else in somewhere else. Um, and the last one uh, was who? Coriolstras. That's the only one that I can that I even a strand of thinking. So I'm going to pick that one and hope for the Answer best. Answer D, Coriolstras, is correct. Very good. Oh, Yeah, Coriolstras is also known as Crassus in his, uh, his elf form or whatever his... Oh, you know, if you said that, I would have died. Yeah, so Coriolstras is his dragon name, but uh, Crassus gotcha. Landing is named after him. And, oh, yeah, nice. so he um he went back with Ronan and Broxigar to the War of the Ancients, which right. is, I think that's, like, some comic stuff or something, because I've never seen Broxigar in game, but whatever. Right, yeah, I think that was, wasn't that that um, uh, retcon that they did? It definitely could have been. Isn't it? Oh, and you know what, um, those... Like, that didn't, like, it didn't happen in the in the first timeline or whatever. I don't, I don't Maybe. understand. Maybe. But... Though... If you ever did that Illidan quest, um, I think you see those guys when you when you're with um, Zera with the the flashbacks. I think you see Roxigar and Ronan and Coriolstras in that scenario when you're defending the Moon Guard. Um, gotcha. Yeah, but anyways, nice job. You got that one. So, you know, as is our tradition here, you know, these questions are obviously going to get much harder the further on we go. So, question two. Ner'zhul, after the end of the Second War, 
gathered items for a ritual that would end his orcish life, destroy Draenor, and send him on a new journey where he would become the Lich King, or the guy before Arthas. Which of the following items, or which of the following was an item that was used in this ritual? So to reiterate, we are looking for the correct item that was used in the ritual. Okay. Is the answer A, the hand of Gul'dan, B, the jeweled sword of Sargeras, C, the eye of Dalaran, or D, the staff of Medivh? Um, I don't think it's the second one, because that doesn't, that's not on brand for Sargeras. Um, the third one also doesn't sound right. I feel like there is, you said a staff of Medivh. A staff of Medivh. I, I, I feel like I've heard those two names together, Nerzul and Medivh. Maybe it's me making stuff up in my head. Uh, And the first one was the Hand of Gul'dan. The Hand of Gul'dan. See, like, I've definitely heard that one before, but I don't know if... (sighs) Okay, so I'm going to answer. And if I get it wrong, it's because I want everybody else to feel better that they did much better than I. Okay. (laughs) You're you're well-intentioned. I'm Yes. Um, I'm going to say the Hand of Gul'dan. The Hand of Gul'dan is incorrect. Yes. There you go. You're very welcome, everybody. Everybody can feel better now because of Grey's sacrifice. You're very noble. So what was the answer? The answer was actually C, the Eye of Dalaran. Oh, see. There's no way I would have gotten So that. these items... There was four items involved with this ritual, and uh, the other answers were very similar. So we were actually – the items were actually the skull of Gul'dan. Oh, that's that's what it was because I'm like, I definitely know Gul'dan. But then I was like trying to think, is he missing a hand? No. No, he's not. I know it. I knew it. I should have. I should have gone with that, my logic. That's okay. <sighs> um, and then, yeah, there's the the jeweled scepter of Sargeras, and I think it's the the book of Medivh or the tome of Medivh. So, uh, but Medivh did have a staff, ADS or ATS, I think, which Cadgar uses. So, you, you know, that's I yeah. You know, yeah. That, those are good ones. Okay. The, this is the thing, though. Since I am the Overlord. I like to just... Are, do you, you reuse questions that we get wrong? No. Or am I able to try to answer them? Uh, no. Just for fun. Well, I'm not reusing any, question, or reusing any questions for this particular instance, no. Oh, okay. All right. I try All to right. make up... I'll let you do your process. I, I try to make up new questions every time I have this podcast, which, uh, if you can imagine, has proven a little difficult... I have received a lot of uh, backlash recently that my questions have been too easy. So I am taking that out on you. These questions are very hard. Oh, they were hard. I got far. Well, you still got the you still got three more that we're going to go through uh, for the for the sake okay. of going through. Okay, All right, cool. General Nazgrim, now one of the the four horsemen of Acherus, 
had a rising trajectory as a hero of the Horde before he was slain as one of Garrosh's loyal generals. When we first meet him, who was his commanding officer? Is it A. Gorgana B. Krenna C. Zela or D. Malgor In in Siege of Orgrimmar. No, when we first meet him in the game. Okay. You want it? You want a hint? Uh, That's in Conquest Hold in the Grizzly Hills is when we first meet Nazgrim. Is yes, it? I believe. That's right. Okay, say the names again. I, I was just in that zone. On okay, A is Gorgana. B is Krenna. C is Zayla. And D is Malgor. Maybe I don't know, because I'm in in which one in Conquest, Conquest Fold? Fold. Correct. Oh, okay. No, I was not in that zone. I was in. You just said Conquest Hold, and I was like Northrend. It is in Northrend in the Grizzly Hills. Um, right, yeah. right. But I was thinking of a different. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um... <sighs> Zila sounds familiar, but. I don't know. Let's go with that one. Zayla? I'm telling you, I'm not good at this. Yeah. No, that's okay. Zay... <laughs> uh, Zay... It's not. Well, all right. Uh, Zayla is incorrect. I know. Zayla is the orc who you help take over Dragon Maw Port, and she becomes the, the, the leader of the Dragon Maw. See, I knew it. You said oh, Siege of Orgrimmar, and I, I, you were talking about it, and I'm like, Siege of Orgrimmar. And then her. Okay, gotcha. I think uh, Malgor is um, a name that I got from an orc name generator, so he's nobody. So we don't have to. I knew it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, I knew it wasn't. Uh, the answer is actually Krenna. Um, yeah, let's see. And I think Gorgona is Krenna's sister. Uh, yeah, Conqueror Krenna. She's the master of Conquest Hold. And she tells you to do a bunch of stuff, and then you team up with Nazgrim and Gorgana to displace her. She's she's kind of a tyrannical leader. Oh, that's that's a hard one because if you don't remember, you can remember both those names. Yeah. yeah okay. Good. 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 All right. So this next question you might like. Okay. Um, like okay. <laughs> uh, long, long the source of a meme, even before we knew what memes were. Uh, Mancrick, the mm-hmm. orc, has been looking for his wife. Um, oh. In Cataclysm, we finally found out that she died, even though we probably knew that in Classic. And then in Warlords, we finally learned her actual name. What is Mancrick's wife's name? Is it A? Olgra, B, Grunda, C, Lokra, or D, Gorza. Oh, um, oh, say them again. A is Olgra, B is Grunda, C is Lokra. 
and D is Gorza. Um, okay. Gorza doesn't sound right to me. Um, I'm sorry, what was it again? <laughs> A was Olgra. Olgra. O-L-G-R-A. Olgra. Olgra. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. So, <laughs> I've got them. I've got most of them wrong so far. Um, I, I'm gonna say Olgra. That sounds the most. Olgra. Right. Olgra is correct. Very good. <gasps> wow. Unbelievable. Nice. Okay. I know, right? Uh, I should have. Uh, you should have switched them. You should have switched. Them. Just kidding. Because uh, I think I think I remember when they gave her a name that was like a thing it's a big deal yeah it was a big deal especially among us baronsers so i think i think i remember like talking about it for a considerable amount yeah. of time um when it came out so i think that's might be why it wasn't yeah you say you see uh you see kid mancrick and kid Olgra in i think nagran somewhere so oh. that's a that's cute. that's nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, I mean, she's destined to die at the hands of Quilbor, so that's too bad. But alas, what can you do? The watch, the watch, this shall event. Yes. All right. There's no way that you're going to get this last question, but I'm okay. going to ask you anyways. <clears throat> In Warlords of Draenor, the Frost Wolf orcs mount an assault on Blade Spire Cit- uh, Citadel. Gnar. Rushes off with all the best warriors, and the player swings in to deliver the killing blow to the lord of the citadel. What is the name of this ogre lord that you slay? Is it A. Luck B. Korgal C. Margok Or D. Gorthog You're not gonna believe this. Um, um, I'm trying to remember their names because I'm excited. I think, I think I might know. Because <laughs> um, as uh, Cedric and I are leveling, um, trolls, Xandalari trolls yep. together from 20 to nice. 110, um, we just did Frostfire Ridge. And I think I don't know, is it that is it that quest line that you go up to the thing and Yeah. You kill that's it? Yeah, you go up with No, I don't think I don't think it is. It is, yeah. You um, you know, when you first get to Wolnar or whatever the Orc village is, you see Gunnar running off with um you know, those other three people that eventually become followers and you know, Durotan is like, Oh, you know, tell my wife to sound the horn and so you, you sound the horn and then you rush up to the, the Bladespire Citadel and you, you claim one part and then you do that quest that everybody was getting hung up on. These colors don't run. You fight through the citadel, you go all the way up to the top and then you, you fight this guy. Um. And yeah, you kill them, and then they claim the uh, the citadel as their own. Uh-huh. 
Um, okay, so what are the options? All right, so uh, answer A is Lunk. Answer B is Korgal. Answer C is Margok. And answer D is Gorthog. I thought I knew, but I don't think I know. It's not... I don't think it's Lunk. That doesn't sound like the leader of anybody. Um, (laughs) I don't think it's... What did you say? Gorthog? Gorthog is D. Gorthog. What was the Uh, second one? B is Korgal. Gorthog and Korgal. Okay. And And C is Margok. That sounds the most right. Which one? Margok. Margok. Is that your final answer? Um... And I wasn't asking that to. Sure. I wasn't asking that to make you question yourself. I'm just having yeah, you sure. confirm that the answer is C. Margok. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, answer C, Margok is incorrect. Oh. The correct answer is D. Gorthog. 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 Damn. Damn it, Gorthog. He's. Yeah, he's son. dead anyway, so who got the better end of the deal? Oh. Okay. I think you might have. Right. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah, so uh let's see. You got you got Olgra and you got Cortestrad. So two out of five, that's not bad. I mean, hey, these were <laughs> these were difficult questions and I don't wanna get any lip from anybody. When I released this episode about how easy my questions were. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it was really hard. And it's a testament to that. That I got the majority of the questions wrong. And everybody should remember, Greya, that you got these questions wrong so that they could feel better about yourselves. You're a very selfless individual. I am. That's what a exactly. good does. Hey, I gotta say, it's been really nice talking with you. I'm very happy that you were able to uh, you know, make it out to us and have an interview here at our studio. Um, and, you know, I appreciate you putting the time away to, to answer my questions and deal with me. No, absolutely. Um, I wanted to thank you for, first of all, having me on. And then um, this has been a great way for community bonding not even within the guild itself but with the community at large and one worst accord i think what you're doing here is amazing and i really really enjoy listening to every single episode that you put out and i can't wait for the next one and for it to continue on so thank you lance top sale you doing something really fun here absolutely great and i appreciate that uh everybody listening at home i hope that you have enjoyed this episode and i hope that you're you're uh, looking forward to our next which should feature our old friend val kosk so again greya thank you for coming out this has been another episode of the south fury watch podcast